Let me tell you about Last Out Media. Last Out Media is a podcast studio located just over an hour away from the New York area. It has professional equipment engineers and coaches that'll make your show sound amazing. In fact, that's where I'm recording from. Right, that's where I'm recording from right now. Speaking as a delicacy. So, if you want to improve your podcast, visit lastoutmedia.com. I'm opening with this song on another edition of New York Group because it's by a band called Cedar. The song is called Tonight because there's a lot of great sports on tonight. It's just that simple, Vince. There are a lot of really high-powered underdogs. We'll get into the picks later on, but there's a lot of really high-powered underdogs and a weird football line for tonight's Ravens-Dolphins game that we'll get to in a little bit when we get to our picks segment. But I wanted to open the show with two things. First of all, a little New York news. The... Islanders have announced that their new stadium is opening, and I found something really cool. I normally hate the Islanders. We all know that. The Islanders' new building, there's a bar in Manhattan and Long Island called the Offside Tavern. That uh, It's an Islanders bar. The Islanders fans show up there watching the Islander games. I don't know if you realize this. Offside, the Islanders have granted Offside Tavern to build a bar inside their new stadium. Which I think is the coolest thing in the world, and I hate the Islanders. So if, if I think it's the coolest thing in the world, that's pretty freaking cool, right Vince? Yeah, no, it sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, also Shaq is opening a chicken stand. Inside the Islanders' new building, also. I don't know if you've heard that either, but oh wait, is that with the uh, the blue and orange bagel? Yeah, that looks gross. <laughs> yeah, it does. It <laughs> looks so. Gross. It looks moldy and disgusting. But that, it, in defense, that is what the Islanders are. Gross. Fair. So, but who cares about the Islanders, right? In a little bit in the show, we have to get to. Uh, I saw an article released earlier this week on the how to survive being pushed onto the subway tracks in New York City. So, since we are a New York based podcast. Um, <laughs> We will do that little bit of that for you, too. We'll, we'll walk you through how to survive getting pushed onto the subway track. But I wanted to get into something first. It's not necessarily baseball season, but it's always kind of baseball season in New York. And as the GM meetings have started in, in uh, San Diego, I want to discuss the things that the Yankees need to do this offseason. Because I think it's safe to say with the way things ended, there needs to be change. Correct? You can't not not update what's, go- what's gone on with this team this last per- this last year. There's five things in my mind that the Yankees need to do this offseason, and I want to know what you think about them, and I want to know what the rest of New York thinks about them. Because luckily, for the Yankees, this offseason has potential to be a one of the top moving around offseasons in Major League history. There's, there's seven marquee shortstops available on the market. There's a lot of pretty decent pitchers available. There's really good bullpen pieces available. There's a lot of potential for the Yankees to really shake it up and make some, make some noise here, right? Here's the first thing I'm doing. I'm moving on from Gary Sanchez at catcher. I can't sustainably have a guy anymore that's going to hit 210 and have bad defense. Normally with a catcher, right, and we've seen this throughout all Major League history, all you really care about is the defense, right? If a catcher's going to give you great defense and he's going to hit 220, 230, you live with it because the defense in that position is so important. The perfect thing about Gary Sanchez early on in his career was he'd struggle on defense but he, could, he had the potential to hit you 40, 40 home runs, 120 RBIs, and give you an elite-level season. Now that he's not doing that, and he's finishing with 20 homers and 50 RBIs, and he's hitting 210, and he's striking out all the time, now that he's not doing that, I'm sorry, Vince. I can't go on with Gary Sanchez as my catcher anymore. I can't have that kind of stopgap in the middle of my lineup just killing my lineup. Here's what I'm doing. In 2018, they took a first-round pick and fifth overall, this kid, Austin Wells. He's uh, supposed to be ready for 2022 at Major League. That's when he should be Major League ready to play. I'm seeing if he's ready coming out of spring training. If that young kid is ready behind a veteran like Higashioka, I'm having him play catcher. And if not, I'm signing a veteran and having him be a stopgap until Austin Wells is ready. First round pick, you have to develop your own talent. 
He's cheap, and he's not going to have to pay a lot for him, or you're not going to have to pay a lot for a veteran. That's where I'm going. I'm done with Gary Sanchez. I'm moving on. I'm putting him in a trade package, or I'm just flat-out releasing him. I'm not paying him $18 million when it comes to the the value you're going to have to give him for a Rule 5 draft pick. It's just not going to happen. So I'm moving on at catcher. That's the first move that I'm making. It just has to be done, you know? That's how I'm feeling, Vince, at this point. Number two. There was some news broken out earlier this earlier this week. On a potential trade, the Yankees trading Glaber Torres and Luke Voigt for Matt Olson out of Oakland. Now, Matt Olson is a guy that, solid player, really good fielder in Oakland, uh, can can surely hit like a 270 hitter, going to give you a lot of power. I like Matt Olson. I really do. I don't know if Matt Olson can play in New York. I'm not confirmed with that. The last time they made a trade with Oakland, they brought in Sonny Gray, and we all learned how that happened. I don't know if Matt Olson can play in New York. I don't know if Matt Olson's used to playing under a bright light. I don't know if Matt Olson can play in postseason games because his his career in the postseason with the Athletics when they've made it is not very good at all. So I'm not I'm not making a move for Matt Olson. I'm not giving up on Glaber Torres, and I'm not making a move for Matt Olson. I'm re-signing Anthony Rizzo. That's the move that I'm making. Anthony Rizzo's been here for the last, the last part of last year. We know he can hit. He's a left-handed bat. He's an elite He's an elite defender. And we know he can play in the Bronx. We know he can play in Yankee Stadium. Say what you want. That is a big deal. It is a big deal with the Yankees. It just is. You have to be able to play in this market. And there's been too many guys that are not proven in this market. Anthony Rizzo's now proven in this market. Anthony Rizzo's done it for half a season. He was a successful hitter. He's going to hit like 250, 260 for you. That's what you need. He's, and he's also a guy that will work the count. Having a guy like that in the middle of your lineup that's going to work a count, when you have power hitters that are strikeout heavy that can see opposing pitchers pitch a lot of pitches, there's so much value to, value to Anthony Rizzo. He's two years older. That's fine. I'm giving Anthony Rizzo like a four or five-year deal around $20 million a year. I'm not bringing in Matt Olson. I'm not giving up on Glaber Torres, which brings me to my third, my third point. Do not make rash decisions. People have bad years in baseball. This is baseball. There are guys that have bad years on and on. Look at how relievers work in baseball. Relievers are the most inconsistent position in the world. You had Glaber Torres playing shortstop most of last year, a position he's not comfortable playing, where you were trying to see if he could be your shortstop of the future. It didn't work out. Okay, he struggled most of the year, and he struggled in the COVID year. So he struggled for the last year and a half. Let's not forget, Yankee fans, that his rookie year, this guy hit 290 with 38 homers and 100 RBIs. Okay? And, he, and no one complained about his fielding in that year. In his rookie year, no one complained about his fielding at second base. When they moved him over to second base at the end of this year, he played a lot better, and he hit a lot better at second base. I'm keeping Glaber Torres. I'm not moving on from the guy that was the number one prospect in all of baseball that you traded all this Chapman for in 2016, that you've waited all this time with all this anticipation for him to come up, finally be able to play for you. It was an elite player in his rookie year. I'm not moving on from him after one bad year. I'm not doing that. Now, if there's a trade piece out there for Glaber Torres that's going to get you a Bryce Harper or a Mike Trout in a, in, a, in a crazy scenario, then I'll do that. Other than that, I'm not moving on from him. There's not a case I could absolutely ever move on from Glaber Torres. Again, you put him back at second base next year, you have him play second all year where he's more comfortable, when he doesn't have to worry about his fielding as much, and then his hitting improves. You see this a lot of baseball. When a guy doesn't have to worry about his fielding as much, his hitting improves because it's one thing less thing to be distracted by. That's what I'm doing with Glaber Torres there, and that moves me on to my next point. Because what are you doing at shortstop if you move Glaber Torres back to second? I'm signing Corey Seager. Every year, a baseball team has a fat amount of salary they're giving out to someone. That guy's Corey Seager. Seven years, $210 million. That's what I'm doing. I'm handing him the bag, giving him what he wants. I don't want Carlos Correa. I don't. Uh, to me... The cheating thing doesn't look good bringing him in. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, that doesn't fit well with me. That doesn't sit well with me. Carlos Correa is a little older than Corey Seager. And here's the perfect thing about Corey Seager. 
top-notch fielder. He's clearly very clutch in winning the World Series MVP two years ago. And he's a left-handed power bat. The Yankees have missed something since letting Didi Gregorius walk. A power-hitting left-handed shortstop. To have another left-handed bat in the middle of this lineup, you saw how good the lineup got last year when they put a lefty in the middle of it. When they added Rizzo and Gallo, you saw how good the lefties in the lineup got, how much deeper the lineup got. You saw Judge start hitting better. You saw Stanton start hitting better. You need to have lefties in the middle of your lineup. Adding a guy like Corey Seager, who has all the potential to hit 25 homers and 90 RBIs in Dodger Stadium, which is not a power-hitting park, what is he going to do in Yankee Stadium? There's serious potential he could hit 40 home runs a year in Yankee Stadium. Giving him a seven-year deal, I don't care that he's 31 years old. That's plenty of money. That's plenty of time to have him come over here left-handed hitter, plugging him right in the middle of that lineup. He could hit second. He could hit fifth. It's a perfect, perfect fit for them. And it's a better fit than Carlos Correa. You don't need another right-handed bat in the middle of this lineup. And lastly, we talk about enemies, right? Well, doesn't an enemy become like your favorite guy once he joins you and starts playing well? I'm calling up Kate Upton, and I'm calling up Justin Verlander, and I'm seeing if they want to buy a new apartment in Manhattan and move here. I know he's coming off Tommy John surgery. Look at history, please. When is the last time a pitcher actually lost his career to injury? Especially Tommy John. Doesn't happen anymore. The success rate is so high. The fact that Verlander has so much mileage on his arm, Tommy John actually is going to wind up helping him. Because it's going to strengthen his arm back up. It's going to repair a lot of damage that he had in that arm for 20 years. Now it's going to strengthen him. He's going to come back better than ever. He's only 37 years old. I'm handing Verlander like a three-year deal, like $60 million, and I'd go as high as 90. I'm getting him in here. Starting pitching has been proven. It's not as important. So there's not, I'm not going out and getting Robbie Ray. I'm not going out and getting other starting pitchers that are available on the market. Starting pitching is not as important as it, as it used to be. It's not. You don't need to roll five starters. You don't need to roll four starters. It's not necessary anymore. I'm adding Verlander. I'm pairing him up with Garrett Cole. And I'm going forward with my, with my lineup the way it was last year. I'm going to have Montgomery still there. I'm going to have Nestor Cortez Jr. there. And that's how I'm going to go. Starting pitching is extremely overrated now when it comes to a postseason team. The Atlanta Braves just won the World Series starting guys in their debuts in the World Series. It's not as important. If you have a horse like Garrett Cole, if you have a horse like Justin Verlander at the top of your rotation, and then you have guys that can give you three innings and you can go bullpen games from then on, that's all I need. Those are the additions I'm making. So again, Corey Seager, seven-year deal, whatever he wants. That's what I'm doing. I'm bringing him in. You're going to be able to get him on a little more of a discount. You're not going to have to overpay for him because there's so many shortstops out there. So as long as you beat the next team's offer by a million dollars, that's all that matters because there's so many shortstops available. Any other team that doesn't want to bid as high will just say, you know what, take Corey Seager, we'll sign someone else because there's seven guys available. You'll land someone. I'm bringing in Justin Verlander and Kate Upton. Getting her a nice suite. She can, I don't know, do bikini shoots in the outfield if she wants. Whatever she needs to do. Kate Upton, Justin Verlander are joining my team. I'm not making a move for Matt Olson. I'm re-signing Anthony Rizzo. I'm not making rash decisions and getting rid of Glaber Torres. And I'm getting rid of Gary Sanchez and seeing if Austin Wells can be my top guy. And if not, I'm bringing in a veteran and having him play the whole year. Vince, how do you feel? Well, yeah, the Seager thing is the biggest thing to me, right? You're talking about a premium position. You're moving a guy that's already with the franchise. And with all those guys out on the market, you do need to get the right fit. You got a lot of options. Make the right one. When you're going to have that big-time free agent signing, you want the right one. Look at the Mets. Right? Yep. Francisco Lindor. I mean, for them, they went and traded and got Lindor, but that was the big splash movie. Couldn't handle New York. See, I'm so a professional. That's why I, I, I waited to get that the Seeger one as the last one. Yeah. To me, though, Seeger is a guy that he's proven. He's been able to win in LA, so him coming over to New York won't be a problem. Yep. And again, 
Look at how deep. The, when was the Yankees sustained success going on with their franchise, right? The, remember the period of time from like 2017 to 2019 when they were winning 100 games a year and we thought they're, they're going to win a World Series at some point in the future, right? Remember that period? Oh, and yeah. then 2020, you lose early in the playoffs. 2021, it's a kind of a failure of a season, right? And what was the key to those teams, though? Was having Didi Gregorius hitting third, a left-handed shortstop that can field this position and can give you a lot of power. That was the key. Didi leaves and goes to the, the Phillies. Actually, it doesn't leave. You let him walk. And you've seen a regression in the offense. You've seen not having that lefty to split the team in the middle. You've seen a regression in the offense since Didi's been gone. Now if you can get younger with a guy like Corey Seager, who hits 25 home runs in Dodger Stadium, which is not a power-hitting park by any means, what's he going to hit in Yankee Stadium? You don't have to worry about his fielding. You don't have to worry about his confidence. You know he can play here. You don't have to worry about his RBIs and his production. Corey Seager is the is the is the absolute answer, and I'd rather have him here than Carlos Correa. The left-handed bat means that much to me; it just does. Yeah, uh, stability, uh, respectability. Like you talk about the Correa stuff. If you bring him in, who knows? I mean, the, the bad blood between the Yankees and the Astros with everything it's too much. How it was, and the yeah. Garrett Cole thing was obvious. And I can live with Verlander because he's a pitcher. He wasn't involved directly with the cheating, but to. Bring in a guy like Correa who is directly responsible for the cheating. I'm sorry. I just can't do that. Yeah, he was one of the biggest faces. And yeah. by the way, once they got caught, he was like, yeah, screw you people. And you know what I mean? Like, he was he was so combative about it. To bring him into New York, I think, is a terrible idea. If he's great, people start to adjust over time. But if you can get Seager, I mean, you get the locker room. You get that harmony as well. Well, that you don't have to worry. The, the thing, the reason why you are the top candidate for Seager is because there's no other big spender out there that needs a shortstop. Other than that, it's the Phillies. But are the Phillies going to match up with the Yankees? No. Odds are they won't. The Dodgers don't need Seager. They traded for Trey Turner last offseason. It looks like they're going to they're going forward with Trey Turner. Um, and they have Gavin Lux, who's been playing second base, who can easily fill in right there. The Dodgers aren't going to be competitive. The Red Sox have Xander Bogarts locked up to a long deal. The Astros are going to most likely wind up with one of those guys that are— the, I mean, you got to remember, there's seven shortstops available this offseason. So you have your pick of the litter. And if you're the Yankees and you're going to be the top bidder, you have the pick of the litter. And that's another thing, too. I can't—after the year that happened last year and the things that Hal Steinbrenner said this offseason, I can't have an offseason of him not spending and him trying to cut costs and save dollars. That can't happen. I need—go full force here. You, you can't give me an excuse to not go full force. He has to spend, he has to spend, and he has to spend. What did the Yankees do throughout all their success in the early, in the early 2000s and late 90s? Outspent any problem they could possibly have. That's what we have to do right now. And shortstop's a big missing piece. It's a huge missing piece for this team. You saw it last year. Between defense and offense out of the shortstop position, you were one of the worst teams productivity-wise. To bring in a guy like Corey Seager, it would change the entire mantra around this team. And I'm sorry. Starting pitching also is not as valuable as we once thought it was. I think the old soul baseball heart that we have inside of us tends to believe that starting pitching is so valuable. It's not. It's extremely overrated, actually. It is. Yeah, it's changed. When you have guys in the bullpen that you can use in all these different spots, it, it's just the way to go. I mean, everything proves it out. The Rays have been the poster child with of all that. One, with one starting pitcher in Tyler Glasnow, who's been consistent for them. Uh, who's been consistent for them. That's it. I mean, look at look what the Braves just did. Max Freed, the only one horse they had. And if I've got Garrett Cole and I can have Justin Verlander, even if Justin Verlander is half of what he normally is, that's still a really solid pitcher that I can have go out there and give me four or five innings in a playoff game. As long as your bullpen is deep, which it proved last year, the bullpen was the Yankees' strength. Guys like Michael King. If Nestor Cortez gives you length. You just brought back Julie Rodriguez. You, you put these pieces together, you're going to have Zach Britton fully healthy, Chad Green in another year back, or all this Chapman in another year back. As long as these guys stay fully healthy, I'm telling you, Vince, that's the move to make. It's Corey Seager is the priority, and it's making a move for 
uh, for just bolster your bullpen and Justin Verlander. That's it. I'm not giving Robbie Ray some massive contract. That's not. That's not what's going to happen. Yeah, no. That's and that's how baseball works, right? It is all about the pitching. It's making the right moves there, building up your bullpen, and then having that right guy with all those power guys, like keeping Rizzo, makes all the sense of the world. Love that idea. And and because Rizzo, you know, Rizzo can play here. Matt Olson has not played well in his playoff appearances. He hasn't. And that's a big part about playing for the Yankees, the pressure you're under. He's going to be under a lot of pressure playing here, Matt Olson. It's intriguing, sure, because he is a 38 home run guy in Oakwood. There's a good chance he'd come here in 50 home runs. But am I going to trade away Glaber Torres after one bad year? Uh, maybe I'll give you a year and a half? No, I'm not doing that. All right, so how to survive being pushed onto the subway tracks in New York. I saw an article on this online, and it very much captivated my mind because we've all had that little insecure fear, right? Riding the subway in New York. So I'm going to give you four reasons, Vince, that I want to run by you. Okay. I've had to not, I've had to survive and had to not die. Right. First of all, how about just don't get pushed onto the tracks to begin with? Can we get, why was this, why was this headline even a thing? How about you just, when you get into the subway terminal, right? You stand in the middle of the platform. So no one can, cause no one that's crazy enough to push someone onto the tracks isn't going to pull someone that's in the middle of the platform and drag them over and try to throw them up. Plus, you'd like to think that other good Samaritans out there that are seeing someone get pulled onto the tracks are going to, like, help the person. Just don't stand on the edge of the platform. That yellow barrier, that yellow marking on the floor is there for a reason. You're not supposed to stand there. That's a good way to avoid yourself not getting pushed on the tracks. Would you agree with that, Vince? Yeah, I would say not going on the tracks is a good way to not get pushed on. Just don't get pushed on the tracks. Like, why, why is this a problem? It happened to 14 people last year, which is 14 too many in my opinion. That's a lot of people, yeah. In a year where the MTA was, like, slowed down, where people weren't taking trains, too, because of, of the, the virus. Yeah, there was a virus, right? Four, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, there there was a virus, but fourteen people. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Now, like the only reasons I can think of that you get pushed, it's one crazy person, like you said. Yeah, and two is like high school kids screwing around. Is that funny in high school? I mean, like we've all done stupid things in high school, but is pushing someone onto a subway track funny enough? Yeah, I mean, it's it's also it actually could, I agree with you. It it's could hysterical. be incredibly mean, but yeah, like, no, it's, it's hysterical. It's definitely the point. All yeah. right, number two. Did you guys know that at the end of each platform in a subway station, there is a ladder? So instead of you trying to be a CrossFit legend pulling yourself up onto the platform again, where the psycho again could just push you back onto the tracks, you can walk to the end. Make sure you walk to the end where the train's not coming from, (laughs) and you can take the ladder up to the platform and then stand further back or more towards the middle of the platform. That's another reason I can give you of why you should not, if you happen to get pushed on, Walk to the ladder at the end of the platform, at the, at the end that the train does not come from. Yeah. Do you do that with the pool? Do you go out the side or do you go to the ladder? Interesting question. Yeah. Um, it, it depends. Are there men in the pool or women? It matters? Yeah, absolutely. It matters? Absolutely. Okay, so, okay, how does it matter? Okay, so if you're with women, specifically, like, not like a sister or, or, any, or cousin or anything like that, if you're with, like, <laughs> oh, like women that you want to be attracted to you and you're in the pool, yes. you always go out the side. Why? Because it's all arm strength to get out of the side, pumps your muscles up a little more. So you're flexing a little more, your back muscles are flexing, your 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 biceps are flexing, you're all shown. You want to use the side to you can push yourself up and your muscles could be a little more pumped at that moment. Well, yeah, but if the dismount is bad, like if you're flopping around once you get the knee up, you know what I mean? Well, it's have some always, confidence in you yourself. Get, well, no, I'm just saying you can get up, but sometimes the dismount, if you will, can be very non-graceful. So you might show off the muscles, but also look like a, I don't know, like a seal or something trying to get well, that's out That's fine. Of. I mean, seals get married, too. Uh, I would just... <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, we've all been to a seal wedding once in our lives. Exactly. Uh, here's another thing I need to do. Uh, I need to ref- reference, right? Don't make eye contact with anyone in a subway platform, ever. We're all there for the same mission, right? Get on the train, get out. Get to, get to whatever destination we're going to. Don't make eye contact with anyone ever. No one's ever met the love of their life in a subway station. We're not. You're not on a date. You're not at a, at a social event. Do not make eye contact with a single soul in a subway station. Once you go underground, it's you, yourself, and that's it. Am I wrong? No, it's a, it's a good rule. Keep your headphones on. Don't speak. Don't make eye contact. Keep your hood on if necessary. Get on the train. Get off the train. That's it. No eye contact. Listen to your music. Don't bring attention to yourself. Because as soon as you do that, that's when the crazies come out. Crazies love to, to talk to people who have been giving them attention or even make some eye contact with them. It's the key to avoiding the homeless. You just don't make eye contact with them, and they usually leave you alone. Yeah, you, you get adjusted to that. Right. I was going to say that's very much elevator conduct for people that haven't taken the subway. For anyone. Just don't make... Like, anytime in public, if you don't know the person, don't make eye contact. It's a key, especially coming from a New Yorker. Like, it's used to being in the city and, like, dealing with annoying people. Don't make eye contact. Like, everyone loves to be social. I don't need anyone talking to me. I don't. Especially when I'm underground, in the subway, dealing with the stenches, dealing with the smells, not wanting to be down there. Don't talk to... I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to talk to anyone. You know why I don't want to talk to anyone, Vince? Why? Want to know why? why? Because my last piece of advice of how to not get pushed, not get murdered in a subway station by being pushed onto the tracks is just don't take the train ever in New York City. Ever. Take an Uber like the rest of us. Don't take a train. The trains are disgusting, okay? They're, the grounds are covered in urine, okay? The smell is of dead rats and old food, okay? They don't move that efficiently. There's always delays, okay? You're being crammed up against other people. You have to touch dirty poles that other people are touching all day. If, you're gonna, if you have the nerve to sit down in one of those seats, you're sitting down in a seat that a homeless person most likely uses a bed earlier that, later that night. Don't take the New York City subway. I don't think the show is ever going to be endorsed by the MTA, but ride in an Uber like the rest of us. The price change is not that much different. Just don't take the subway ever. I, I'm here to announce the purpose of this whole segment was to announce that I will never take a New York City public subway ever again in my entire life. It'll never happen again. So it just got safer down there. It did. <laughs> I, I I will never, ever. Uh, you you spent a good enough amount of time in New York. Yeah. How many times have you taken the subway? I take it pretty regularly. When and I'm in and there. you yeah. would continue to do it. Yeah. I, yeah, I have think no, twice about I, it. I'm so. Maybe it's like my fidgety personality of how like non gross I want to take pride in myself being. I, I can't. I could never do it. So you're strictly Ubering, not driving? All Uber. I drive, I drive in the city. If I, can, if I know I can find. Here's my, here's my list of power rankings of, of means of transportation in the city. Such okay? a gamble. Okay. If I know I can find parking, like if I'm going to work at a certain, I'm really only in Manhattan for work. So if I know I can, if I'm working an overnight or if I'm working an early morning weekend shift and I know I can find parking, I know I will find parking, I will always drive. That's number one on, on the on the traveling to Manhattan power rankings. We're, we're expanding the segment a little more. Number one, always drive if you ever can. Yeah. Brooklyn Bridge is free. It's easy to get into Manhattan. Absolutely drive. Number two, express bus. It's only $6 from where I live on Staten Island. And there's really buses from everywhere around the tri-state area you can get you into Manhattan. Always easier. Let someone else drive. Let someone else pay for the tolls. You get out and you walk. It's a nice place to walk Manhattan. It really is. Taylor. How long is the bus? From my home? Yeah. About 40 minutes. Okay, that's not Well bad. worth it. Sit down, enjoy yourself, pop the headphones in. Again, no talking to people. The only time a bus can get somewhat bad is if it gets crowded and that, that a terrifying person has to sit next to you. Because you always get that person too, right? Uh, I gotta, like, uh, I'm sorry. If you have the nerve to sit down next to another stranger on a, on a public transportation, get lost, okay? I, I've never gotten into a physical fist fight in my entire life. I've come very close in public transportation when a person has the nerve to sit down next to me. I flip out. 
D- d- stop sitting, especially when there's an empty seat like two rows back. Don't sit next to me. Because it's always the guy that has to sit down next to you. They never smell good. They never showered in the last 48 hours. They always have to like rub their arm on the side of your arm. No one has personal space anymore. Uh, don't sit next to me in public. Yeah. That's, I, that's good advice for anyone. No, it, it is good advice for anyone. I went to a movie theater once. I was seeing uh, when that new trilogy of Star Wars started up. Uh-huh. I saw the first movie. I saw it in a matinee. And it was an empty theater, right? It had been out for like three weeks. So I go empty theater. I Which is, by in. the way, about, uh, as you mentioned, yeah. Low key, one of the great things you can do alone, and yeah. I'm and I'm not a doing things in public alone kind of person. Movies, I, I've a, I've broken myself into, and I love it. It's amazing, it's Ima- incredible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for New York, you're probably paying like forty bucks. In Philly, it's five. Yeah, so you go for five bucks, you see a movie by yourself. But I was going in, and it, it was literally an empty theater. I go and sit down by myself. One other guy comes in, and he sat right next. That's to me. Th- that, that. Those are fighting words. That, like you have every right legally you should be able to punch that man in the face and get away with it like that shouldn't be considered assault oh there's no doubt about it but here, Taylor Taylor is what we wrong you're giving me a face like I'm wrong no you should be you should be allowed to assault that man I'm, it is legal in that case yeah. yeah yeah I'm getting up and just stepping my entire leg over to the next row yeah <laughs> yeah there's no no chance I would ever going to the movies is delightful and I feel like that's one of those things that our generation's gonna get lost in I haven't been in theater in eight years, probably. It's delightful. Wow, I went actually like three months ago. I actually legitimately prefer it. Like it's delightful to me. I love going to the movies. No, the theater's awesome when you're seeing the right movie too. But it's like gonna be movies... it's gonna wind up being a nostalgia thing though, because in 30 years you're gonna have to drive like 50 miles to the nearest movie theater. It's yeah. gonna be like what drive-in theaters are now. Exactly. That's exactly what it's gonna be because the at-home experience. But again, yeah, as I as I digress. But, but because here's the other thing. What the hell's the difference between the bus and the subway? How are they different? Oh, if, they're completely If the subway different. is completely inexcusable, oh my how is a God. New York bus okay? They are completely different. Completely I mean, different? Vince, Vince, first of all, I, I have to say something out loud in public uh, when you bring that up, comparing the two. A, how dare you? The New York <laughs> City buses are so much cleaner than the subway. It's not even, you're not allowed to urinate on a New York City bus. Like, open. You're not allowed to urinate on a subway either. Clearly, you, clearly you are because there's they're, they're covered in well, urine. Yeah, people do. The buses are cushioned. They're comfortable. There's no one talking. They ask you to be silent. Have you ever been on a New York City subway and, and you're just sitting there relaxed and someone always comes on? Let me talk to you about Jesus, everyone. And you can't even hear, you could be listening to a Megadeth song and, and somehow you hear them over the Megadeth song. No, at, you are completely wrong in that case. Taking a bus is so much more valuable than taking a New York City subway. You're out of your mind. You're way off, Vince. You're, you're out of Am your I? mind. Way off. Way off. Way off. Taylor, will you ever take a New York City subway ever again? Oh, yeah. If I'm in New York, yeah. It's just so convenient. You guys are out of your minds. Yeah. yeah. It's only yes. $4 more to take the bus. It's so much more worth taking. But, I'm talking about the express buses, the night, the nice express buses, the tinted windows. Oh, crazy okay. people don't get on express buses because it's six dollars. That's, well, that's, <laughs> that's way out of their price range. Okay. No crazy person spends over two dollars for anything more than meth. See, I thought we were talking about something that was like an, a regular bus. No, it's like an express bus. It's an, like, okay, it's a bougie bus. Yes. Okay, but I'm a bougie a person. That's a little different. So I'm going car. Then bus. Next on the power rankings, walking. I will walk from Staten Island to Manhattan before taking a subway ever again. Well worth it. I'll even swim across the Hudson if I need, if need be. It's not worth taking this taking the subway. Where, where does the ferry stand? The ferry is also. Um, I don't really call it a ferry anymore. I'm more afraid of it as a as a, a floating homeless shelter. 
because the, the, I, here's a little fun fact about me. Before I got myself into sports radio, I uh, I worked at the Staten Island Ferry as a security guard. I'm sure you got some stories. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it is one of the worst experiences of my entire life. I mean, it was just every night you would see something different. That, uh, let me tell you, if, if you are from Staten Island listening to the show, I, I apologize because there's a chance you may never also take the subway, the, the, the Staten Island Ferry ever again. Um, at nighttime, what would happen often is a homeless man would be sleeping on one of the benches in the subway station. I would work an overnight. So I'd show up at 11 p.m., leave at 7 a.m. So I would see both commuters, right? You would see a homeless person sleeping on the benches at the ferry station, urinate all over himself on the bench. There'd be a puddle underneath him. At that point, the cops would throw him out, right? Nobody would come and clean the urine, though. They would wait the hours upon hours till the urine would evaporate. And then I would witness a man coming in for his Wall Street job in a nice new suit come in and sit down in the exact same seat where the homeless man had urinated on just hours before. And because I, I avoid talking to people at all, at all moments, I would never tell the man, excuse me, someone urinated on that seat just hours prior. Oh, no, I would just can't. leave him there. No, yeah, you can't. Yeah. You just leave him there and let him sit in that. Let him sit in the filth. And this is most people. Yeah. Have you ever walked? Have you been on the Staten Island Ferry ever? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I've been uh, twice. So you have you ever walked on the ferry and felt your shoes stick to the floor? <laughs> yeah. It's disturbing. That it, that place should not be a legal means of transportation. I think you'd actually remain cleaner by swimming across the Hudson than actually taking that ferry. It is it is beyond disturbingly gross. So yeah, I I am I am extremely I'm extremely anti New York City transportation. Everything about it's disturbingly gross. <laughs> it's gross. Why are people st- like, wh- huh. with the with the amount of tax dollars that are out there that we're paying monthly, yearly, daily on everything that the city has to offer? Why is the most disgusting thing on the planet the New York City trains? Can you, you have an answer for me? Why are they not? I've been on Philadelphia trains. They're bad. They're not as bad as New York. They're not. It's it's. I'm, you're making a face. They're not. I've been on Philadelphia Depends trains. On the hour. But the hour doesn't matter in New York. They're all. It's always bad in New York. It's always bad, no matter what the hour is. Five o'clock in the afternoon, awful. Well, yeah, and the volume. I mean, it's there's just so many people. It's too much. It's too much. They need to get rid of people in New York, honestly. They just take a bunch of people in New York, move them to like an island somewhere, get rid of them. There's too many people in the city. There are. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, it's it's overpopulated like crazy. Tell me I'm wrong. This is like the most New York segment I've ever heard of any. No, it's content. not because most yes, New York, most New Yorkers support the subway. I have legitimately heard friends of mine say, "Oh, all right, oh bet, go to the Yankee game, New Yorker. go to the Yankee game this this Saturday. We'll just take the subway. Get there in you know no time, right? It's easy, right? You can drink, you take the subway. Absolutely not. I have literally told people that I have plans to go to Yankee games with. They were like, "Let's take the train." I'll be like, "No, I will not go. I'd rather not go to a Yankee game taking the train than go to a Yankee game. Always drive." Well, nobody likes the train. There are people who do. There are people who have the nerve to support taking the train. It's disgusting. It's a despicable act, in my opinion. It's disgusting. Like gambling, right? Like gambling. On that note, let's get to our picks. (laughs) Oh, beauty. What a sound. Vince, are you excited one day to come to my wedding and hear this? Yeah, uh, in part because I'm pretty sure this is the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy song as well. Also. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a great vibe. There, there, There's now I've gotten to the point where I've dug myself so deep in this conversation that I can't not have this played at my wedding. Oh, I agree. Even if it's played for 14 seconds just to get the vibe going, right? 
But this is what gets my juices flowing more than any woman can. Is the, this music? So I mean, wh why not? Right? More than you get her juices flowing. I Ex bet. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's a game this week that I love, and it's rare that I say that. Um, first of all. I need to ask Taylor a question because I, I trust his uh, sense more than yours. <laughs> your spot, your silence speaks volumes because they're very back and forth all year. Oh yeah, they're they very flip hot. floppy. They started hot, they got a little cold. They're back and forth, but they're still a team that I, I normally trust, and I have a lot of trust in Justin Herbert. Here's who the Chargers have lost to that we all considered bad losses at the time. Here's the games they've lost: Week two to the cow to the Cowboys, twenty to seventeen. Right now, doesn't look like a bad loss. They hung with the Cowboys. That defense is better than anyone thought it would be. That offense is awesome. Not look like a bad loss right now. The, uh, two weeks later, they lose to the Browns. Uh, they, they actually beat the Browns in that game. They lose to the Ravens. Not a bad loss. Not looking like a bad loss. The Ravens are a no. powerhouse. Not looking like a bad loss at all. And then the next week, they lose to the Patriots. Again, not a bad loss. At the time, bad loss. Now, not a bad loss. The Patriots are good. Mac Jones is playing well. They very well could be a playoff team. I believe in the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the Los Angeles Chargers are an awesome football team. And they're home this weekend. And they're playing the Minnesota Vikings, who I don't believe in. Who I think are a bad football team. Who I think are a lackluster football team. As long as they're not. Who have 11 guys out due to COVID this week. Who are back and forth. Who have, have now have an offensive lineman, actually, who's been hospitalized due to COVID. The Minnesota Vikings are a team that I don't trust. And they always have road woes every single year. They can't win on the road. They can win at home, unless it's prime time. They cannot win on the road. The Chargers only having to give three points in this spot, I love. Three points, and you could catch it at some places at two and a half. I love the Chargers giving points right here at home. On a neutral field, they give about two, two and a half right here. That means they're saying these teams are even. Absolutely not. Love the Chargers in this spot. I'll, t I'll put it at minus three. I'll put it at minus two and a half. If it gets to three and a half, which I expected to, I'm buying the point down. Vince? Yeah, so my first one is uh, tonight. I'm looking at the Ravens tonight. And they're playing. The, the Dolphins are god awful. Now the lines actually moved. So the Vince what is your what is your book have? The Vince Sportsbook has it at seven and a half. Wow, they're accurate. When, for once. when we were looking at it, that's what it was. I yeah. was assuming the Vince Sportsbook would have Ravens minus one and a half. So uh, it used to. Now I'm actually using a betting app this week, so Good. it's like up to date. What app are you using? Uh, points bet. No, still not my favorite. It's part. yeah, it's it's just something to use. Uh, but. Right now, for minus seven and a half, the Dolphins suck. I don't care. Oh, they beat the Texans. They're not rallying. They're not good. They're starting Jacoby Brissett. Nothing. I actually really hope they, they actually don't know who's starting yet. I actually hope it's Tua because he's worse than Brissett. Oh, he is worse than Brissett. They don't have Parker either. Like they're just they're an awful team. They're going to get crushed by the Ravens. Seven and a half, eight and a half. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and they're the Ravens the Ravens were pushed last week by the Vikings, and it's a team that never gets any respect publicly from anyone out there. That's why I'm all over the Ravens in this spot. A team that doesn't get respect publicly loves to beat the crap out of people. And John Harbaugh has a has a history of beating up on bad teams, and not he doesn't mind scoring 50 points on you if he can. So I in this spot, I, that's my second pick actually. Before Taylor gets in, my second pick is actually I bought the Ravens already down to seven, and I'm playing them tonight because I love the Ravens in this spot. But Taylor, what's your first? I'm with you guys. Um, why is Lamar Jackson not getting any support? He's by far the most important player to any team, and he's not being talked about in an MVP conversation at all. He's already MVP, and he's only 24. He's 24 years old. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't understand it. For a guy his caliber, and it's funny, too, because, like, obviously for all the love in the world with Mahomes and you see what he's doing this year, could you imagine if Lamar was playing this year like Mahomes is right now? He's their best runner. Sometimes in gambling, lines don't make sense. And you, I have the tendency to want to go with the line doesn't make sense. But this week, I'm actually going to go on the more public, filthy side here. 
Can anyone explain to me why the Titans are only three-point favorites against the Saints and Trevor Simeon? I can't comprehend it at all. That line makes me want to go with the Saints, but I just can't do it. I have to be gross here inside with the public and go with the Titans. I just feel like there's two little points here. De losing Derrick Henry is a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. No. Titans can still score points. The Saints have a good defense, but if the Saints going to score any points with Trevor Simeon in, any? Do you have any confidence in that? No. So I'm all over the Titans in this spot. Uh, minus the three points, and I hate betting on Tennessee. I despise the Tennessee Titans. I'm all over them here in this spot. Yeah, I thought that was one of the easiest bets to make this week. It's a rough list, that but scares the crap out of me. Titans minus that, three. I I thought that was a slam dunk. It scares me when people say that though, because they because the sports books know that you're thinking that also, so they're more in favor of putting that line there because they're trying to get you to bet that. Spot. Yeah, no, and they're they're getting me. Uh, hook, line, and sinker. I'm in. Taylor, number two. I'm with you guys again. Uh, there might be some overreaction from the primetime game they played, but I, that defense was so dominant. I don't I'm having care. trouble comprehending it. I really am. Yeah. I just don't understand that line. Are we ready for the next one? Because it's filthy. Yeah. Are you prepared? There's a shower nearby. You're going to have to take one. I'm rolling with the Philadelphia Eagles as, as underdogs. Oh. I don't like Denver. I haven't liked them all year, and I still don't like them. Where's their pass rush coming from in this game? If you give Jalen Hurts time to throw the ball, he can get things done. And I, I, I just see in this game, how is Denver scoring points, and how is, how is, the, how are they stopping Philadelphia? And that's saying something because Philadelphia's offense is not, is not exactly the, uh, the greatest show on turf. But I have no confidence in Denver in any spot, especially with losing your top pass rusher. I don't, have, I don't like Denver at all in the spot, and it's a perfect letdown spot after they beat the Cowboys. And everyone saw that game, and everyone loved Denver in that spot. I love Denver to let everyone down in this spot. Denver minus two and a half. I'm all over the Eagles as underdogs, and I'm actually gonna wait. Don't bet this line. Wait for the public money to come in. The public money will come in on Denver. You have to wait for the public to bet sometimes. The public from always always think about Barney at the bar. Barney at the bar is sitting there right now saying, Denver scored 40 on the Cowboys last week. How are they not going to kill the Eagles? I'm all over Denver. Wait for Barney at the bar to bet. Because when Barney at the bar bets, he's going to move this line to three, three and a half. That's when you get the Eagles at that key number with the field goal. Wait to bet this game on Sunday because that's when you'll get that line. I love the Eagles this week. And it's, it's gross because the Eagles have hurt me a couple times this year so far. All of the Eagles in this spot. Yeah, so I actually went with the Eagles-Broncos game as well. I'm going with the under. I don't believe in the offenses for either of these teams. And for the Eagles, they've been running the ball lately. Denver can shut down the run. So I'm looking at a, a Eagles team that needs to pass. I look at a Denver offense I really don't believe in. The under's 45 and a half, which Ooh. is not a ludicrous number. But I'm happy to go the under on that one. Minus 110, I'm, I'm taking that. It is move. a ludicrous under. It is. It's five points. That's seven points to full touchdown below what a normal over-under is. Average over-under this year in the NFL is 53 and a half. Oh, wow. I didn't realize so, it was that So, high. I mean, well, because you're thinking of the older method of football where it was normally 45 to 50. Since offenses scored a lot heavier in games nowadays, the you know, over-unders are averaging a 53 and a half. That's a low number, but I still like it. The reason, it's, it, you got to remember, it's, low, it's l that low for a reason. The books know this is going to be a low-scoring game. If you want to have a really smart, savvy bet, Eagles money line and the under. If the Eagles going to win this game, it's going to be low-scoring. So I would I would parlay the Eagles money line and the under in that spot. Taylor, what's your bet? I'm with Vince on that. I I don't know if it's just because we watch this Eagles team so closely, but I know the Broncos team stinks. That's like one of the worst football teams to watch. Um, yeah, I don't see a ton of points and. I just checked. Uh, the bets are coming in 51% on the Broncos right now. So wait for the public to pound it even more because yep. the public will. That Sometimes you use the public. Sometimes you want to bet, bet games today because you don't want the public to move it a lot. When it's going to move in your favor, wait. 
I'm waiting until Sunday morning to put this bet in. Yeah, the biggest percentage right now is 81% on the Rams. Another bet I love here. Raiders plus two and a half at home on Sunday night. The Chiefs defense stinks. I mean, we can all agree on that, right? The Raiders being home where they actually, they play a lot better in Las Vegas. Everyone's going to show up for that game. First uh, Sunday night game played in Las Vegas. Everyone will be there. It'll be a nightclub atmosphere. The crowd will be crazy. Don't forget, Las Vegas can score. They're a weird flip-floppy team. They can score points, okay? And the Chiefs defense can't stop anyone. They can't stop a nosebleed. Pat Mahomes also isn't playing well, and this Ra the Raiders actually have a great pass rush. I love the Raiders in this spot. People still love betting on the Chiefs. The public loves betting on Pat Mahomes. Just remember, Pat Mahomes can be stopped this year. All over them in this spot. 67% on the Chiefs right now. Love it. Fade the public, baby. Yeah, I'm in the same spot. Because, you know, it's funny. Last week I picked the Chiefs. It was like, at some point they're going to break through. They didn't. This won't they, be the game. They didn't. And, yeah, I, I, at this point I have to keep betting against them until they prove me wrong otherwise. You know what I mean? So this I'll wait for that breakthrough. But this is not going to be the game. So, yeah, two and a half for the Raiders at home. That was an easy one. Taylor, bet. would you wait for the public to bet on the Chiefs in this spot and get it at three? Or would you play Raiders money line? I might do both. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> that's actually dip. a good, smart job. Are you are you are you staying? Is this a family play here? This is another family play. Uh, home dog, division game. Chiefs don't cover. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I would. I would love to go to this game. When I go to Vegas in in four weeks, I'm seeing Raiders Broncos, which is a little bit more of a letdown. But I'm I'm actually I'm partly excited and partly not excited. I'd rather see Mahomes play. But also, the the thought of being able... I know I'm going to bet the Raiders in that spot against the Broncos. I know I can bet the Raiders in that spot against the Broncos. So I'm all... I, I'm loving it. I can't wait. This the juices are really flowing. This version of Mahomes would be kind of disappointing to see right now, too. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. He stinks right now. My last bet, Rams had a letdown against the Titans last week. And the Niners, they're just not good. They're just not playing well. They've lost four out of their last five. I'm only given four points with the Rams here in this spot. Smart betters who like to think that they're smart love to take the 49ers every week because they have a decent defense and a good running game. I'm all over the Rams in this spot. They need a bounce-back spot against the Titans on the road here in a primetime spot. Love the Rams minus the four. I even might wait a little bit and see if it drops to three and a half. So, I'm, Vince, that's my last pick. I'm all over the Rams in this spot. Okay, so my last one is all about addition by subtraction. I'm going with the Browns' money line against the Patriots. Uh, Browns are a solid football team. I know New England is too, but I just believe in the quality of the Browns roster. I trust that more than what the Patriots have. Go, they're on a hot streak right now. That's like, a very interesting bet but, right there. Yeah, I what's mean, the number at? What do you have? What is Vince Quinn's sports so, uh, book at? Plus one fifteen. Yeah, yep. that's a really tough spot. Yep, that's what's that? That's a really tough spot. I just the Patriots are on a roll right now. Their defense has figured things out. Mac Jones is getting only getting better week in week out, and the Browns are struggling a lot. You're getting a. You know what though? Vince is actually going by a very experienced gambler's mindset here of buy low, sell high. And that's what he's doing right here. He's buying the Browns at a really low spot. And when are you getting the Browns at underdogs? Ever during the year. When are you getting the Browns at plus 115 on a money line to just win outright? It's a good, it actually is a smart, savvy bet. There will be people in Las Vegas putting heavy money on the Browns out of principle this week because it's a low number. They will be. Taylor, how do you feel? I'm going to do the Carolina Panthers plus 10.5 against Why? the Cardinals. Why? Who's playing quarterback? Cam. No, it's not going to be Cam because he's not, he's not going to be ready. He's not. He, they can't just throw him into the offense immediately out of nowhere on a Matt, a Matt Rule offense. That's impossible. They might. And if they it might. is, was Cam good last year? Uh, I, At uh, all? Ever? That was a whole that, complicated argument. 
that many points at home, at some point, Carolina is coming back That's down That's one of the most disgusting bets I've ever seen in my life. Well, there it is. I, I really hate it. But there it is. There's our picks. But that'll do it for another edition of New York Groove. What a, what a fascinating episode. We taught you how to survive on the subway tracks. We taught you what the Yankees need to do this offseason. You agree with my moves, right, right, Vince? No, the moves are, are great. They're winning the World Series if they make these moves. I hate to say it, but they have a shot. Exactly. Some food for thought on the way out. Speaking of food, DJ Khaled has launched a huge chicken wing startup that is delivered by Jetski in Miami. They will deliver your chicken by Jetski to your waterfront home in Miami. So if you're interested in that, I thought you might be. It's pretty cool, right? That'll do it for another edition of New York Group. Oh, yeah.